Well, welcome to I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson. Uh, and a fun, hopefully, uh, look on uh, today's topics in healthcare. Uh, probably ought to explain I don't care once more. Uh, it's not that I don't care. It's just that I'm not a clinician. So I don't provide direct care to any patients. And I'm sure all patients and family members listening out there are glad to hear that. So with me today, as, as always, is... Tyler Kern, my co-host. Hey, Tyler. Happy to be here today. How are you, Kevin? Uh, you know, I'm good. Yeah? I'm good, yeah. Baylor's undefeated still, so... Baylor you... is still... Thank you for br- putting a plug in for my Bears. We're still go. undefeated. There so you go. Happy about that and uh, ready for uh, the next game against West Virginia on Halloween night in beautiful downtown Waco, Texas. It's going to be It's going to be an exciting one. It will be. That will, will be, be a good one. And today's topic is also interesting, and it's something that... I find particularly inter- interesting, uh, and it's kind of all based off of this one this one sentence from an article that you and I both uh, read, and it caught our attention. It says, the Department of Health and Human Services and the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services reported that U.S. healthcare spending hit $3.5 trillion in 2017, a 3.9% increase from 2016. But that doesn't necessarily mean Americans are healthier. Yeah, that's true, Tyler. You know, we in healthcare, like like most all industries, we are faced with with areas where, that we can improve in to improve upon waste. But a lot of this is really externally driven for mm-hmm. us because you know we have the largest provider and the largest payer for healthcare is the federal government. Right. And so with the federal government's intervention comes a lot of regulatory issues that come about. Mm. And so that can really lend to, you know, just an added layer of bureaucracy that that can can really play into everything that we do. Yeah, absolutely. So part of the the study that was released as part of this article uh, came from the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine, and it discusses how about a quarter of all of that money that's spent on healthcare every year is wasteful spending. And you're right, that kind of regulatory thing, all of that red tape really adds up and kind of adds to these issues and adds to these issues of, of wasteful spending. Yeah, you, you know, Tyler, what what I see in, in, as we said before, I've been on the hospital and system side. Mm-hmm. I, I now lead a physician network. So I interface a lot with with physicians uh, in their clinics and, and, and elsewhere. And so I get to see a lot of opportunities that, that where we could really improve upon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest issues that that we see from from a physician clinic standpoint is physicians went to school to to study medicine. Right. They didn't go to school to study process flow, or they didn't go to study business. And so sometimes there's there's a little little bit of of overlap in what they're doing. Uh, so what what we try to do is we go into the to the physicians clinics and we try to help them. You know have a better patient flow sure, uh, and improve that. But, but then you start talking about the regulatory aspect and, and in the, particularly in the Medicare Advantage world, a big part of that and Medicare Advantage was, was basically driven by the federal government years ago, wanting to get out of the, the Medicare management uh, business themselves and pushing that out to the private sector. Mm-hmm. It's been incredibly successful. But with that, there are a lot of expectations still. Because everybody, you know, all the managed care, Medicare Advantage plans, all those health plans still report up through the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Right. So 
government gets to gets to tell us what they want us to do and we and we get to do that. So a lot of times the physicians see the Medicare patients who are the most f- fragile and most needy of our patient populations. But they see them as being heavily regulated, a lot of documentation involved, a lot of extra extra tests that have to be run just to satisfy uh, a regulatory demand. Right. Um, many of our offices, too, see the fact that, you know, whenever they're uh, working with or, or whenever they accept multiple health plans, uh, they sometimes have to bring on two, three, four employees just to deal with insurance. Right. And so that's why we're seeing, uh, honestly, a lot of physicians who have decided not to take Medicare, decided not to take Medicaid, and many physicians are even moving totally out of the insurance market and going to a concierge medicine cash pay type standpoint because they see the waste, you know, and for a physician, the biggest, uh, the biggest thing that they don't want to waste is their time. Sure. And, And so, uh, you know, they they went to medical school not to be, frankly, paper pushers. They went to medical school to actually take care of patients. Yeah. And, and so they want to have more time to be able to do that. Would you say that that mm-hmm. just in your time that you spend interfacing with physicians on a regular basis, that is the biggest maybe topic of concern or biggest issue that they continue to raise is that they have to spend too much time doing things other than actually caring for patients. Yeah, absolutely, Tyler. Yeah, and it's also like the same thing with public education and teachers. We've talked about that topic right, too. Right, Yeah, there's so much documentation involved now uh, and over-documentation that, that they can't do the the core business that, that, that they got into that industry for. Right. You know, and, and so that's why doctors are becoming frustrated. All providers are really becoming frustrated with that. So, mm-hmm. so let's step step back a little bit from the from the provider from the physician space, and let's go yeah. talk about the hospital uh, hospital space uh, and facility space. Same thing. You know, there there's lots of obviously lots of regulations involved there, but a lot a lot of of waste also comes from the really the over the overordering, if you will, of tests because uh, providers, hospitals, whomever, uh, are f- are really trying to protect themselves from a potential malpractice case. Sure. And, and so, you know, you see multiple tests being ordered just to make sure that uh, that everything, every possible outcome, it, frankly, is has been has tried to be addressed. That's really interesting. And. Uh, What's what's a solution to that? I suppose is is it just to be more vigilant about trying to cut down on frivolous lawsuits and, and things like that, or yeah. what, how can how can that be remedied? I yeah, suppose? from that standpoint, certainly tort reform, mm-hmm. uh, you know, has has helped some. Yeah, but there's there are always going to be people who who want to make a to want to make a buck off of something that that frankly could be totally accidental. Yeah. You know, uh, and so that's that's one area that that certainly could be could be addressed. And again, you know, overregulation uh, back many years ago, and I'm, I'm not going to dig way into the weeds on this, but anti-kickback and star clause really precluded how physicians and hospitals and other facilities can work together mm-hmm. uh, because of the potential that, frankly, you know, a very few uh, individuals uh, took part in but the potential to game the system. Right. Okay. And so 
So there, there are regulations where physicians cannot refer to any facilities where they might have a, a financial interest. Even though that might be the best facility and the nearest facility for their patient, they can't. Sure. And so little things like that kind of, you know, there, there, are, uh, there are barriers uh, that, that preclude a, a more seamless flow of care. One of the things that I have done a couple of podcasts and interviews on recently is just the use of data in healthcare yeah. and the inability at times for departments to communicate with one another and for information to flow as freely as it needs to. And that to me seems like another source where multiple, the same job is being done multiple times. Yeah. And that that uh, has to be one of the things that is considered when you talk about yeah. waste. Tyler, you're a mind reader because <laughs> interoperability is is a real issue. You mm -hmm. know, the ability to communicate across multiple platforms. Um, in the hospital space, for example, uh, you've got uh, multiple physicians on your medical staff. Well, there are hundreds of electronic health records out there. And unless the physicians are actually employed by that hospital or system, they're going to be on who knows uh, mm -hmm. which which EHR that that uh, that they selected, and so trying to communicate across platforms is very difficult, and then um, yeah that becomes incredibly wasteful because there are you know there are some physicians certainly that that work off site now uh, pathology oftentimes mm -hmm. radiology you know they're working off site and so. If there are issues between the EHRs, sorry, electronic health records, I got to quit using acronyms. <laughs> the electronic health records not being able to communicate that also slows down the the uh, the process of of caring for that patient. Absolutely, and just uh, even when you mention having you know people on staff just to deal with insurance, having three, oh, four people, all yeah. of these things, and. Part of that is also just that the public, at least someone like me who's on the outside looking in at the healthcare industry, I don't understand diddly about insurance really. And so like I, <laughs> those people are necessary for me just to help understand what I'm supposed to know about insurance, if that makes sense. Yeah, it you does. Know? So, it does. So it, it feels like, um, I don't know, the, the public not having as much education on this kind of stuff is also kind of one of those things where there have to be people to help educate the public on, on yeah. what exactly they're getting into. Tyler, that's exactly right. And we've talked about that before, people taking more of a, of a vested interest in their own health care. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's, that's going to be key going forward is people just have to you – know, health care is a, is a major part of all of our lives. Yeah. And so we need to be better educated on that, not only taking better care of ourselves, certainly, mm -hmm. but also, frankly, the, the financing of that. And I'll say a lot of that you know, comes back upon us as an industry because we haven't been the most transparent industry, mm -hmm. um, and that's changing. And I think that's certainly changing for the better because – if I'm say if I have a high deductible health plan, I, I want to go out and find out what what an MRI is going to cost for me. Right. And so by ha by being more transparent, we're we're able to do that. But uh, and so again, that goes back to there are potential for there's a lot of potential there for waste of resources. Mm -hmm. I think as we kind of get away from discussing the, the problems and start talking more about the solutions, one of the things that came to my mind was something that we've talked about in one of our earlier podcasts, which is social determinants of yeah. health. And 
taking a more proactive approach to health rather than reactive. And I wonder if that can't eventually help kind of curb some of the waste so that you're preventing doctor's visits that don't need to happen and things like that. And so you're able to maybe cut down on some of these costs that are incurred anytime somebody steps into an office. Right. Yeah, one of the biggest areas of waste that, that we see is is frankly people going to the emergency room, uh, right? Yeah, w- unnecessarily, and, and that's a huge waste. Not only a waste of cost, uh, but it's also a big, uh, a large waste of time and resources mm-hmm. for for the facility too, and frankly for the patient because uh, you know y- going straight to the emergency room. You're not getting that appropriate level of care, frankly. Right. You know, why would you want to go to to an ER and be there three, four, five hours if you had, say, just a, a minor sinus infection? Why can't you go to an urgent care, probably be seen within an hour? Or better yet, go to your primary care uh, physician who actually knows you and, and, and knows your, your medical history and, and allow them, you've chosen them to be your doctor, allow them to serve you. Yeah. Absolutely. That that seems to make a lot of sense. And then when we talked about um, just population health mm-hmm. and things like that, just having an idea of what the greater population of a certain area, what the picture of their yeah. health looks like, I think, giving gives physicians a better idea of what they the issues they could potentially face and maybe cuts down on time spent with certain patients. See, and like that. you know, that's another great, great idea, Tyler, because if you know what you're you know, your immediate market area suffers mm-hmm. from, let's just, diabetes, okay? Sure, sure, So if you know that in your market area as a physician, say in your, you know, one to two mile radius, mm-hmm. um, you have 50% uh, of people over 50 years old are diabetic, okay, you can be prepared with diabetic education. Hey, you might even hold a, a diabetic a- education event sure. for the entire community, and so you're not doing it individually. You can bring everybody in, and then you can also educate the families and caregivers as well mm-hmm. at one time. Uh, and so, you know, when you when you have a better idea of of what you might, you know, what you might encounter. Uh, I think you're better prepared. Yeah, and I think that speaks to that proactive approach yeah. that we talked about, and also just the educational sense of healthcare, which we don't. It feels like maybe we don't do enough of, or at least the community is not as participatory in as it maybe it should be yeah. in looking after their own health. Because there's some personal responsibility involved in that as well, um, just seeking out that information. But I think if the two sides can come together a little bit more, you cut down on waste, you have healthier people yeah. that live longer, happier lives. That's right. And, and I'll tell you, uh, you know, many of the health plans are very proactive in what they do. And, and I'll stay with diabetes because that's easy. Yeah. You know, many health plans have... Uh, lower copays for diabetic medications. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to because insulin is incredibly expensive, and many people don't take their insulin because they frankly can't afford it. Yeah, yeah. And so the health plans that have uh, lower copays for for diabetic meds, insulins, you're going to see a a better uh, a better usage rate uh, and a better a better adherence rate. Uh, from that population, right. Also, uh, health plans are 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 helping individuals, frankly, take more uh, responsibility through uh, you know, sending out diabetic testing supplies free of charge. Right. Sending out diabetic, you know, sending out the meters free of charge. 
because if you're more aware of what your you know your numbers are, mm-hmm. so this raises you're um, more likely another topic to take, that we've uh, talked about in the past, a, a uh, and that is just the different avenues that there are into healthcare. That when we talk about healthcare, we tend to think just about physicians, but accountants are necessary in yeah. healthcare as we talk about money and as we talk about wasteful spending and things like that. And also, I think about data management and some of the EHR type electronic health sure. records and, and things like that, that that you talked about earlier. That there's there are needs for people that do these different kinds of jobs in healthcare because in the end it's going to make it a better experience yeah for everyone. absolutely and and really as far as as the data analysts go those are people who can help us tremendously mm-hmm. with the reduction of healthcare waste right you know because uh, we need we need to have as much information as possible mm-hmm. so that we can make better more informed decisions and so uh, and, and that's something We've always had information, mm-hmm. but as far as bringing in the information in a in a way where we can we can really utilize that, yeah, in a wide variety of uh, of ways. Data silos are really one of those things yeah. that, that happens in a lot of different industries, but it seems like specifically in healthcare yeah. that happens quite a bit. It's just data and information is over here, but we can't get it over here, and we can't get these people to have the same access to the certain da- data as these people over here because of either different systems, different sure. languages, whatever it well, ends up being. Well, and I'll tell you, you know, healthcare silos back 30 years ago when I first started right. were very significant. Mm-hmm. You know, there was the silo between the clinicians and the silo between the the healthcare administrator business type. Sure. And so finally, I think we both sides finally figured out, you know, each side is incredibly important. We've got to talk with each other. And so those silos are moving now uh, or being torn down. And so that can only improve our industry as a mm-hmm. whole. Not to say they're not still out there because, right. you know, you look at, you know, the decisions that are made from, say, somebody being discharged from an acute care setting, a, a general hospital, mm-hmm. let's say, uh, to any number of options in a post-acute world, whether it be long-term acute care, rehab, skilled nursing, outpatient, whatever. You know, there's still some silos there because each of those, you know, each of those venues of care think they're the they're the absolute you know best choice sure and so we've got to again utilize the data and say okay what has been the most effective uh venue or level of care for say a stroke patient mm-hmm. or you know a total knee replacement i'll tell you back in back in the early days uh, whenever i started in healthcare, i was on the physical rehabilitation side the rehab hospitals sure and so back then, my gosh, we brought in every total hip replacement, total knee replacement. They stayed with us, you know, sometimes three weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, now you get our hip replaced, you go home in the next day or two, and you're, you know, if you're young, uh, if you're or if you're in uh, fairly good shape going into your surgery, you'll go home and you'll have outpatient therapy in your home, or you might, you know, go into uh, into a clinic. But and so things have greatly changed over the years because of improvements in in the in the way people are cared for, and that's due to data. Yeah, yeah. So I, we we said kind of before we we hit record and started this episode <laughs> that we wanted to we wanted to get a little spicy with it. So I'm going to give you an opportunity. Okay, good. All right. If tomorrow 
you were able to, you were put in charge and it was up to you to reduce wasteful spending across the healthcare industry. What are the first things that you're doing? Is it, is it removing some of that red tape and some uh, of that uh, regulatory waste that takes place in healthcare? Absolutely. You know, that would be the first thing I would look at. It, it would be to, to do a complete review of all the regulations hmm. that are really impeding care and, and that are causing the redundancy uh, of various testing that occurs now. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the first thing, you know, once, if we could, if we could cut down on the regulations and the red tape that's caused uh, because of those regulations, Mm -hmm. our system would move a lot more smoothly. Yeah. Efficiency, things like that. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and then you also look at things like Mm pre-authorizations and things like that, that just, you know, that just, that just slows down the process. Right. And not to say they're not necessary, but there's got to be a better way, mm-hmm. you know, to, to be able to do that. Do you think that without this reduction in, in, in regulation or, or things along those lines that we'll start to see more of the concierge medicine and see more kind of different models of, of healthcare kind of pop up as people kind of find different ways to deal with it and kind of move and maneuver through the industry? Yeah, absolutely, Tyler. You know, you look at, and I was listening to uh, to a panel last night, mm-hmm. and they were talking about uh, disruptors, and of course the the usual the usual example of that is how many blockbuster videos do you see now, you know, and and as industries evolve, and as solutions are are brought to the forefront, industries have to change, mm-hmm. and so. Healthcare, we're we're not you know we're not uh, immune to that either. Yeah. And so again, you're seeing physicians who are who are going the concierge route, only going cash. Uh, you're seeing, yeah, just well telemedicine. Sure. You know, sure. Yeah. I mean, who would have thought ten, fifteen years ago that you could look at a smartphone and see a, your healthcare provider. Uh, get diagnosed, get the treatment, get the medication that you need all on your phone. And so, you know, we're going to continue to see things like that. Another great example, uh, one of our health plan partners just partnered with an organization or a a company that, you know, for folks who have uh, infusion therapy or injection therapy who typically had to go to a, a freestanding facility mm-hmm. to have those, uh, those therapies uh, done. This company goes to, comes to your home. Wow. They'll set up your infusion in your home and monitor that, and you know, it's much more efficient. People who have a difficulty trying to you know, obtain transportation or who just frankly don't want to leave their home, they have that option now. So there's lots and lots of disruptors that are that are are continuing to pop up in healthcare. I've become a fan of saying that even the most you know strong companies, industries, whatever, they're always one innovation away from That's extinction right. yeah. because Blockbuster had no idea what was coming no. down the pipeline, and neither did Sears. Right? Sears used to be, you know, the Amazon of its day, putting mom and pop stores out of mm-hmm. out of business because they carried everything. They didn't see Amazon coming down the pipeline, and I think that. Uh, every industry has those type of potential innovations that could render a lot of kind of old ways of doing things obsolete yeah. or out, out of date at that point. Yeah. And remember, you know, the disruptive forces right now in healthcare 
our uh, you know, Microsoft, uh, mm-hmm. Walmart, right? Uh, you know, it, it's it's large corporations who have been very successful in the industries that they're involved in, seeing, hey, there's some opportunities in healthcare that we can come in and and disrupt how things are are conducted now, and and they're they're going to make some in, incredibly interesting changes to our industry. And when it comes to places like Walmart, Microsoft, you know, Amazon, yeah. all of these other companies, one thing they do is efficiency. And right. one thing they don't do is waste time, waste money yeah. and that kind of thing. So I see corporations and companies like that getting involved in the healthcare industry as potentially a positive when it sure. comes to wasteful spending like what we've been talking about. Well, today. and I'll tell you uh, another thing. I, I read an article this week that Amazon is actually paying for their employees to go to a, uh, a facility in California to have a certain procedure done. It's cheaper for them to pay the transportation costs you know, in, the, in the hotel uh, at that location because the costs are so much cheaper. They're much more efficient in the way they do things. And large corporations have got they're, – they're trying to find ways to reduce their health care costs as sure. well. And so – you know, activities like that, that's going to become a lot more prevalent. That is really, really interesting. Well, any final thoughts before we sign off on this particular episode of I Don't Care? I think, you know, we just need as an industry to be very open to new ideas on how we can deliver care. Mm-hmm. And and as you said, being much more efficient. And that efficiency should also improve our effectiveness and quality in healthcare. Absolutely. Well, be sure to tune in every Friday at 930 for further episodes of I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson. He'll be here. I'll be here. And we're going to have a good time doing it. Absolutely. Tyler, thanks a lot. Thank you, Kevin. And we'll uh, see everybody again next week. You're listening to MarketScale, the leader in B2B content creation. Cloud computing, what is it? It's really not something floating in the clouds. I'm Jerry Mecca, and this is the Mecca Minute. It's very definitely hard physical infrastructure set throughout the world. It's the latest iteration of time sharing, where instead of owning your own computer, somebody else owns the gear, storage, memory, and they sell it back to you for profit. For consumers, it's a cheap place to store your files or use cloud apps for doing your taxes or inviting your friends to a party. For companies, it's much different. Amazon, Microsoft, and Google are the big ones who've made the long-term commitment to owning, and by moving to the cloud, you're making a long-term commitment to them. For startups, it's the way to go. You pay as you go, you get discounts as you use more. For companies who own their own gear, change is hard. To fully realize the promise of the cloud, companies must surrender and learn a new way to build their futures in someone else's sandbox. To make money, providers must sell you their cloud as a subscription. This is not a subscription like cable TV where if you get pissed off, you can cut service off. In this case, you're pretty much in bed forever. Don't let anybody tell you that if you go with Amazon, you could always switch to the other guy if service sucks. Not true. The reality is changes can be painful and in many respects more painful than anything you'd go through when you owned your own gear. 
However, considering the frequency by which technology improves, you won't have to worry about being left behind anymore. But go in with your eyes wide open, maybe even contract a specialist to show you a path to minimize cost, maximize value, and most importantly, safeguard your info. Knowing what we know now, Ben Franklin would have had to revise his famous quote to read, in this world, nothing can be certain except death, taxes, and the cloud. I'm Jerry Mecca, and this has been the Mecca Minute. Would you like to be a content contributor on MarketScale? Connect with us on MarketScale.com and ask us for an exclusive invite today.